Dave. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Strong Tea Quick Brews. And today is an extremely important and exciting limited edition episode. I think that's what we're going to call it. And it's because we have a guest joining us today on our Quick Brew today, and which is something we don't normally do. So we're going to tell you why that is in a moment, but I'm going to leave that up to Vicky. So without further ado, Quick Brew is a podcast which was set up by Vicky and I with a love of talking about all things which are important to talk about, things that should be brought to the forefront of our discussion, things that are considered sometimes to be taboo or a little bit controversial. And today is no exception. So before we go any further, we always like to ask everyone what they're drinking. So I'm going to ask Chrissy, who's our wonderful guest today. Chrissy, what are you drinking? So I was thinking about this. I was I nearly brewed a coffee and I thought, I can't do that, can I? <laughs> Absolutely not. So, so I'm actually drinking our um coconut milk oolong tea. I tried to have in the afternoon um without any milk. I always go with like milky tea in the morning and the evening, but in the middle of the day. Yeah, so coconut milk oolong. Sounds bougie, but it's very tasty. It does sound bougie. I haven't even I haven't even seen that one. We should say before we go any further that Chrissy, and I didn't want to spoil the surprise, but Chrissy is co-founder of the incredibly amazing Bird and Blend Tea, who, if you've listened to this podcast before, you will know that we fangirl all over it. Pretty much every episode. (laughs) Pretty much every episode, yes. (laughs) So I haven't actually heard of that one in your range. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to buy another one now. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Is it very? Is it very coconutty? Um, it's a little bit coconutty, but it's it's not overpoweringly coconut, and it's it's just desiccated coconut. So there's no like artificial, you know, that kind of like artificial flavor. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. Um, it kind of tastes a bit like um a buttery green tea, I would say, but it's not bitter. Mm. Yeah, it's nice. You should give it a go. I mean, I'm just see. I'm watching Vicky's face there because Vicky hates green tea, and I'm like, ooh, well, this I'm could saying, be your I'm, gateway yeah, tea. It is. I don't really like green tea either. Um, although people are always telling me I should stop saying that I don't like certain things. <laughs> not at um, all. Not at all. I don't usually like green tea, but I really like oolong. Yeah, yeah, it's great. On my list. On my list. Mm-hmm. And Vicky, what are you drinking today? Yorkshire Gold. I'm joking. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> get, get out. <laughs> uh, Bird and Blends Chocolate Digestive. Oh, classic. And it just tastes like a chocolate digestive. There's no other way of describing it. It's just bloody wonderful. No, that, that is... was a bestseller last week, actually. I think it's because Easter's on the way. People are thinking about chocolate things. Mm. I think so. Didn't you sell a mini eggs one as well? Last yeah, year? Cream Egg. It's launching next week. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, I had your uh, little um uh email newsletter through saying, Ooh, secret, secret teas revealed. And I was like, Oh yes. And I know they're not secret, and I know everyone else gets the newsletter, but I'm still excited. <laughs> what about you, Katie? Well, after my failing last week on Pancake Day, or whenever it was, a couple of weeks ago on Pancake Day, I have pulled my finger out and I've gone for the strawberry and Nutella pancake. Nice. It is so good. Nice. So nice. good. Chocolatey teeth themes today, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. You too yeah. Are. I have to ask Chrissy, um, because it's a favourite on our show. We do like the Yorkshire tea brand and we are a big fan of the jam and toast. Mm. Do, you, do you like that? 
Okay, so in, in the in the efforts of being completely candid and authentic, which I I said I would be on on this podcast, um, uh, we actually brought a tea called Tea and Toast out four years ago, and the next year that was launched. Just so <gasps> take that take that as you wish. Controversial. No. No, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that, but yes, <laughs> absolutely not. That's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I want to try yours now and see. Yeah, if that, you know, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, compliment, yeah right? What is it? The phrase imitation oh. is a form of flattery or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's cool that we're leading the way with you know inspiration and innovation for flavors. You know, mm. I just feel like I'm just going to stay in my lane and do and keep creating new new flavors and if occasionally someone borrows them then there we go oh i'm staying in your lane but it's the fast lane chrissy it's the (laughs) the best lane it's the best lane superior lane yeah exactly (laughs) so today we are combining two of our favorite things tea and women empowerment because it's international women's day and chrissy provides us today with the whole package So Chrissy, as uh, Katie said, is the co-founder of Bird and Blend Tea Company, which is an eco-conscious, independent, people-focused, award-winning tea mixology company. And they're on a mission to spread happiness and reimagine tea. Now, initially, Chrissy started off packing the tea in her bedroom and attending markets and building Bird and Blend from scratch um, while staying true to her and her partner's uh, ethos and values. Um, Now, the company does a lot of work around charity, conservation environment and sustainability and community work as well. Now, with an awesome team and multiple retail stores and a thriving international online store, Bird and Blend is truly leading the way in tea innovation in the UK. Now, Chris's rise to leadership has not been an easy one. And we are so honoured to have her here today on this special episode for International Women's Day. Um, to talk about her rise, women in, in in powerful positions, all things feminism. But first of all, Chrissy, tell us your story. Well, I mean, you've just summed summed that up perfectly in terms of what Bernard Blend does. Um, so thank you. Um, but in terms of my story, I think so the business has been going for 10 years. Um, so I've been doing this for 10 years. Um, I started the business when I was 24. Um, in some ways feels like a lifetime ago but in some ways feels only yesterday um but I was that kind of kid at school that was reasonably creative but also you know I, I liked learning and I, I was you know fortunate enough to be good at exams and things so I, I ended up coming out of school with it with a pretty decent um you know decent grades and things and but I, I was pretty creative and I was also really single single-minded I think um it's interesting as, as I've grown older I you realize that the, the things I was that d- used to describe me as a teenager in the negative by my teachers and my, you know, whoever, actually the the positive words that people say about you once you get to be <laughs> successful, <laughs> you know, like single-minded, troublemaking, you know, always asking questions, won't shut up, you know. <laughs> so I don't know if I've um deliberately built, you know, my my life, my career around me to to champion those things, but that's that certainly seems to be the case. But yeah, I left school and I worked loads of jobs. I was always working because I just wanted to get some independence. I think I wanted to travel. I wanted to get my own car. I wanted to escape, you know, what society I guess was telling me I should do, which was go to university, get on a grad scheme in London and all that stuff. It just, it just didn't make my, it didn't make my heart happy really. And I ended up doing loads and loads of jobs and I started to build a picture of what I didn't want 
um, in my career and, and, and kind of just thinking, building a picture of, of business businesses that would, weren't really doing things in a very good way. So, I, and, and also I kept getting fired. So, someone once said to me, oh, so you're not very employable. And I was like, well, actually, no, I was highly employable. I had about 30 jobs, but I wasn't very retainable. <laughs> <laughs> the problem. Um, but I just kept getting myself into trouble for asking too many questions. And, you know, I was a young um, f- girl at that time. And, and I think even when I worked in, in in fairly entry level jobs, you know, debt collection, working in a bank, working in a shop girl, working in a warehouse, I was always asking, well, why do we do it that way? And what, what, what are we aiming to do? And I think that that really put people's backs up I think it was kind of like what what what, you're not supposed to be asking these questions like what you know and I think weren't prepared to to deal with me I guess it was too much trouble so yeah I couldn't I kept getting fired so I I soon realized that if I was gonna you know be happy I I was gonna have to build something myself and um, tea was the kind of opportunity that I landed on Um, and back in in my early 20s you know, I wasn't, I don't have a business degree. I don't have any qualifications in business. And I didn't even know anything about tea back then. Um, and I think a lot of our competitors in the, in the food and drink industry, they, the founders, you, you start because you love the the product. You've got like, you're an amazing baker or, you know, something like that. I didn't have that at all. I was looking for the right business opportunity to prove that I could build a business that I you know did things in a better way. Um, and tea ended up being the thing that stuck. Um, and after a lot of hard work, um, you know, we're 10 years down the line and it's it's um touch wood, thriving, gone through some pretty challenging years in the in the world and and still going strong. And, you know, really proud to say that on the whole, I'm fairly confident that all 170 people that I employ love their jobs most of the time and feel empowered and and feel like they get a good um a good run of learning and support at Bird and Blend. Um and that's kind of why I set out to do, to be honest. I find it fascinating that you came, like you said, your origins were from almost that business standpoint of understanding how models work and how to make it better rather than the product, which is kind of people normally start with a passion for a product and then yeah. build the business around. So with that in mind, what inequalities and biases have you faced on that road, that business road, and to become the leader that you are now? Oh, loads, to be honest. I think I think that I think that the um, you know, I think I try to put a positive spin on, on things. And I'm very much an advocate of, you know, whatever, you know, experiences you have, you learn something from it and it makes you stronger. But I'm also in a unique situation because I run the business with my uh with a male co-founder who at various points in our journey, we have also been in, uh, well, we've been married and, and no longer. So there's been lots of dynamic dynamics there um, along the way. And I think, I think to start with, it was just kind of the, the usual, you know, micro aggressions that you, you know, every woman's used to around always being presumed to be, um, you know, someone, if I was on an event stall in our early days, which I was, I spent all day, every day, you know, at markets and things. Mm-hmm. And Mike, my co-founder was with me, you know, I, I, someone would want to come and talk about a business opportunity. And they'd say to me, where's, where's the boss? Or can I speak, you know, can I speak to, or, or if it was both of us, they'd go straight to Mike and say, you know, so, or, or, you know, people would call up and say, oh, I spoke to your events girl at the weekend. And, and she said this, and, you know, and I, I actually used to get a little bit of like, 
I still to this day get a bit of a bit of pride when you know people say oh what do you do and I say oh well I um uh, I work at a tea company or I run a tea company or whatever and they go oh like what, what do you do do you like work work on the shop floor and I'm like no I own I own the place <laughs> <laughs> boom Mike you watch them yeah then you watch them kind of like really awkwardly try and shuffle themselves out of it <laughs> quite, which I quite enjoy not that there's anything wrong by the way of starting you know working on a shop floor or any of that you know I've done that for years and it's you know the people that do that at Bird and Blend are incredibly valuable um, and valued, um, but it's that just presumption, I think. And you know, there's been things on the left. You know, I've been in pitching meetings and you know professional meetings where I've had people um, hit on me or you know make inappropriate suggestions or you know trying to meet up in in more informal places. You know email the way that people speak to each other on email you know my my business partner Mike you know has a very sort of uh you know I don't know like more stereotypical male um approach and and people will you know speak to him in a way that's that they would never dream of uh, or about things that maybe they'd never dream of talking to me all the way up to like pretty serious serious things like for example raising finance we've done that twice um and having to make the really hard decision that actually the statistics do show that putting a, putting a, a, a male up for those conversations and doing the pitching is going to succeed is more likely to succeed than than me doing it and having to sort of think well what's best for the business here you know we've got to get what what we need out of it and and kind of taking that on the chin um, to you know recruiting senior. Um, leadership um, had a couple of run-ins with 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 men uh, who don't like having a younger female boss and you know things like that's been has been really challenging at times it sounds like there's been a lot of bumps in the road in your success story um how did you go about, and I, I don't know if this has been a progressive thing for you, for you or something that you considered when you actually set out with this vision that you had for this business about being inclusive and yeah. more equal. What do you do at Bird and Blend to ensure that you are inclusive and that you are providing equal opportunities and that it is an environment that doesn't have those stereotypes? Yeah, I think I think it's a great question. When we started out, the the whole ethos of 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 the type of business that we wanted to build, both Mike and I, we wanted to build was that even from the product all the way through to the people we wanted on on either side of the counter, it was all about people feeling welcome and it to be accessible. So accessible was a word we used a lot. You know, we wanted the tea to be accessible. We didn't want it to be really, um, you know, uh, too, you know, premium and and kind of, you know, snooty that people would feel confused or, or embarrassed. We wanted anyone to walk over the shop threshold and feel welcome. And we echoed that in the building of the team as well. You know, we would you know ev the people at bird and blend are, are in incredibly individual uh, you know everyone's got something really special or unique about them they've all got side hustles they you know and we've kind of embraced that i think along the way um obviously more recently in the last couple of years as we've had some more money behind us and we've had better reach we've been able to formalize some of those things more effectively um, you know, we've just gone through our B Corp certification, which has thrown up a lot of um, 
projects we can work on and things we can make better. Um, the first step of that was just getting eyes on our, our you know, our data and, and, and what our team thought and putting in structures and things like that. And it's been really eye opening, actually, because there's been some areas where I thought we were doing really well, just because we're decent people and we do have that authentic um approach but actually when you look at the you know the the work that's been done in that area for us there are things we could definitely do better so that's been really interesting and I'm really excited to to get to carry on that journey do you think um in today's society because there appears to be now much more um call obviously um for equality but do you think a lot of companies are box ticking rather than really considering the right people for the jobs oh it's tricky isn't it I think that the I think that the increase in conversation around how to balance uh the scales in in all aspects is, is are the right conversations to be having um and there's a lot of really really decent um you know, science and, and and reporting around actually businesses that are are, are able to have more uh, female, either female founded or females in senior leadership are more likely to really invest in their people more. They have less employment problems. They're more likely to have a longer view when it comes to environmental and sustainability actions. You know, a lot of the B Corp companies have more female at the t- females at the top um even to like financially you know if we talk in that stereotypical male world of commercials and finance you know female uh, funded businesses are uh, more likely to succeed and 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 have a better investment for their for their investors and things um so i think it's it's great that all of this is being talked about but you are right that there can be times where you know let's take for example if you if for tackling a recruitment process to get um to to level out uh, whether it's on race or or gender or, or or disability you know is say taking a step to put a female on an interview panel when whereas previously it would have been three men like is that actually going to make a difference um i'm not always convinced on that i don't have a perfect solution to that but you know i think it's a much deep, deeper rooted, you know, systematic pro- problem here in society that, you know, it's, it's putting someone on an interview panel or whatever, or changing your the words in your job specs. It's just not going to it's not going to do it. You know, we need proper change. I think you're absolutely right, because even at that recruitment stage, you have to widen the pool enough to get the diverse applicants in the first place. But then that opens up to people who are given the opportunity to get the qualifications to apply in the first place. Then that goes back to education and that goes back to opportunity that then goes back to housing and income. And so it goes all the way back. So it's a massive society issue not that's knocked on to kind of companies like yourself trying to do the best that they can in a no win situation. And that kind of resonates with what you said before with you know, you almost had to play the game where your the other co-founder had to take the lead in some things because you knew that you just weren't going to break through because the game was rigged, as it were. And I think that's really prevalent for, for women, and particularly women of colour, um, with a lot of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, I've struggled with that. You know, I, I was really, you know, outspoken, passionate, like activist teenager. And as I've 
you know got older and 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 you know my focus has been on on building this business and and you know being doing the right things making the right decisions for my for my team and for my customers you know I've got a real opportunity here to make a difference and we are making a difference um so when it comes down to my personal you know stubbornness and 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 sense of how unfair it is to to have to maybe make some of those tough calls I kind of you know it's been a been a tough kind of lesson to learn and I do worry sometimes that maybe it's like you know turning the fire down a little bit you know dampening my own fire to to you know kind of just lay down and let you know well it is what it is you know which you know doesn't feel great but I don't know I think there's been there has been some real real changes over the last couple of years especially um I think that you know COVID for all its failings it's done a, a world of good in terms of um people seeing other people as as whole human beings whether they're male or female that have their lives their children their home their work you know it's all merged into one and I think that's a really positive thing when it comes to changing working practices I think I think it, that vis- sorry I think that visibility thing is so important um I've actually got a stat I've got a stat well, so the stat. importance of sim- the importance of simply seeing other women succeed is really significant and LinkedIn research shows that 57% of women believe that having a relatable role model is crucial to achieving career success and 70% agree it's easier to be like someone that you can see Mm -hmm. so as you're saying regardless of gender or identity if you have someone there to look up to to um also is emulate you know kind of copy the career path or at least have someone as a mentor it makes the world of difference Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think it is that, you know, I was lucky because I was pretty, you know, stubborn and I could take exams and stuff. So, you know, I was I was I was fine as as a kid. But, you know, there there are there are ways, I think, that we could empower younger, uh, younger, younger women and, and young girls more in that area. You know, I do I do some mentoring actually with an awesome group called Girls Network. And, you know, it's 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 exactly what you said it's about it's confidence really it's about opening their eyes to there being another way and a way to celebrate the things about them that maybe don't fit into the the norms of society or the education system and it was interesting it made my heart break a little bit but you know in my first session with 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 my mentee you know I said oh you know what can we work on and, and she said well you know, I, I'm uh, my confidence and, 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 you know, and she said a few things and, and I was thinking you're an incredibly articulate, confident young lady who's got the world at, at your feet, you know, and there was all the usual things in there about, you know, well, my teacher tells me I'm too bossy and, and I just thought, oh, you know what? And I, and I said, you know what, it's all about the person on the other side, you know, you're sat in front of me and I'm, I'm confident in myself. So I see a fantastic you know, well-spoken young lady that's saying what she wants. But if you're in front of someone that isn't confident in themselves or they've got their own issues going on, they're going to use those words to the negative. And, you know, I I hope things are going to change for that generation because I certainly experienced that. I'm sure you two did as well, mm-hmm. being told, you know, bossy or, or or whatever the language is that's the negative um, towards women. And people don't dream, wouldn't dream of doing that to a, to a man, especially not in a professional environment. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting what you said and it's something I could really resonate with when you actually said you have this fire inside of you that you worry about being dampened because you're trying and I think 
I think you're so powerful what you said in terms of you want to do the right thing for your business, your staff, your customers, that sometimes you have to step aside and do what is the right decision. And I was just sat there thinking, I don't think I could do that because I'm really stubborn and I would, you know, I'd, I'd get irrit- I'd get so irritated about it. What do you think, I know you've touched on a couple of the things, but what do you think are the key issues for gender equality at the moment that, that society is facing? I mean, my personal opinion is the biggest issue is there's not enough, there's not enough, I think people talk a lot about how there's not enough females in the room. So whether that's at the, you know, the big environmental summits, I don't know if you saw the recent one, but there was not a single woman on the panel where, or when it, when it comes to CEOs or um, what's that stat in America that there's more, there's more um, CEOs called John than women or something I can't remember what the stat is but you know there's a lot of conversation around getting women into those arenas and I actually think the problem is that there's not enough men leaning into the really really interesting insightful commercial strategic conversations that are happening um with women like I am I I know so many incredible women that I have some of my most fulfilling invigorating insightful conversations with you know anything from you know raising finance to um environmental policy to um consumer behavior to you know i don't know all sorts of things and there's no men in in the room with us they're not they're not seeing that they're not leaning into that they're not seeing these amazing women or, you know, leaning in to help us with this. We can't do it on our own. I just firmly think it can't be done just by women. So let's get down right to the nitty gritty. Why do, why do you think this is? Do you think it's because they're scared of having women on the board? Do you think there is a fear? Do you think this is a legacy that... um The term is going to come up sooner or later, that the patriarchy aren't going to change why do you think this is happening? And I don't expect the answer, you know, to be. <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> you could change the world right now. <laughs> I think for me, it's, um, well, it's deeply ingrained, isn't it? Like, you know, just like, you know, as, as women, we've got all sorts of things that are deeply ingrained into us. We're told who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to behave. And, that you know, men have had that as well. And just like, it's quite difficult for them to understand our perspective you know equally I don't I don't know what it's like to have 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 that experience either but and I know some brilliant men you know my business partner Mike's fantastic my my my, um, partner in in life is, is is fantastic they're both decent really decent men who support me as a female in their lives and 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 you know and really champion me but even like really decent men you know they don't they it's just e- it's easier to not you know why why would they need to to lean into to advocating for ch- to real change for us because it's just easy and I don't mean that they're malicious but like why would you the, if the world's set up in a way that you get to kind of cruise through why why would you go about it? it just doesn't really make sense does it I think um one of the things that I I often find and I hear people talk about when the phrase feminism is brought up and feminism such a 
powerful phrase, but I think it gets ripped to shreds at times. And a lot of people, you know, you just said there, you know, your partner in life, you know, your business partner, both fantastic men. Being a feminist is not about men hating, is it? And I think that's, there's a lot of confusion there about wanting to advocate for women and wanting to empower women and make women stronger and help women rise up. But that doesn't mean that people hate men. Do you find that there's there's a lot of um, confusion there with that sort of take on things? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just, it needs a, a really solid PR job, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but then you come down to the the same conundrum. It's like, well, why should we? Why, like, if you, if you, if people are going to willfully dis, dis, you know, willfully not educate themselves, not listen when you, when we, you do explain, you know, the number of people I've explained the actual definition and tried to give them, you know, my view, the context, etc. You know, you think, well, why should we have to do this big PR job to convince people that this is what we're going for? I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? But then, I don't know. It, it's yeah, it comes back to that thing of, of of got to want to to learn and they've got to want to open up some of their world to allow us to, you know, collaborate and and, and contribute the special things, you know, that we can offer. And there's there's also it's not also it's about it's not about to me, it's not about everyone having the equal skills and equal contribution and being exactly the same. Like I'm not denying there is definitely strengths and weaknesses not with all of the same gender, but, you know, that there are some things that, whether it's nature or nurture, my business partner, Mike, is better at, as some of that will be do, down to either biologically being male or, or being nurtured in a society that's encouraged those things and championed those things in him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I need to have the right to be exactly the same and seen exactly the same with the same skills and the same everything. What I'm saying is that I have loads of things to offer as well that aren't championed to the same level by society. You know, women, the amount of labor they put in, emotional labor, ca- caregiving labor, that's just not valued. We're in a capitalist society and, and fundamentally nothing is valued unless it makes literal cash. So profit. So all the work, and I believe that's one of the reasons why, you know, a lot of our industries that are around care aren't championed either and mainly done by women because the work isn't seen as being valuable in a in the society that we live in where you know, making money is is championed at the detriment of everything else, of gender equality, of of um, environmental sustainability. You know, it, it, it impacts all of that. And although I, you know, I started a business for a reason, I do want to make money. I do want to make a difference in the world around me. I, otherwise, I would have started a charity. I don't think that it needs to be so heavily weighted towards profit at all costs you know, I just, I just don't think that's the, you know, that going to make anybody happy ultimately. You have made so many interesting points, so much. So I'm going to move my <laughs> coffee cup and I'm going in. <laughs> the hands have come out. The hands have come out. <laughs> so, the one thing that really stood out was when you, you were saying about, you know, bringing the different experiences, points of view and skills. That is the importance of diversity. I have seen so many organisations and worked in an institution where you have carbon copies of the same person in the team and they're wondering why there's no progress they're wondering why they're still getting the same stuff and 
you know, the money coming in isn't good. It's because your carbon copy, you're bringing the same plans, the same experiences, the same thoughts. Diversity brings that completely different viewpoint and completely can spin ideas around because you've got someone from a completely different country, gender, background, family, social status coming in and bringing ideas that they'd never thought about. So when people argue that we just need the best person for the job, it's so much bigger than that because that diversity can bring such a, a you know an invaluable insight and nugget that can really change everything. Um, the other thing you said as well about how why would men, particularly you know let's say it's particularly white men, come lean in because you know the world as we know it is built for them. And people only tend to lean into something if it suddenly becomes identifiable or relevant for them. And so if you break a leg, it's amazing how suddenly you realize how inaccessible some shops yeah. are, some streets are, you know, how actually it's really difficult if you've got mobility issues. And then you become aware of, wow, how do people with disabilities do this? Mm. And I think even as women, and I've mentioned this before, uh, women, you can't do this without an intersection, really. You know, as women, we find things hard. But as a woman of colour, it's even harder. A woman with disabilities, it's even harder. So there has to be an intersection kind of considered here. But you're absolutely right that leaning in and understanding is it's very human of us. And so it's going to take a long time to do. And there is an unlearning process that I think we all need to do but do you find that it's more women than men that are ready to unlearn to relearn yeah absolutely and and I also think that you know I do agree with you absolutely that you know there's a there's a, there can be barriers with 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 understanding another's point of view because maybe you don't spend time in their shoes or you don't have um those people in your life or the, your friends or you know and that applies to to all all types of diversity you know I, I do I don't think it's an excuse but I, I can understand why you you don't out of sight out of mind you maybe haven't you know experienced that um through your circle that you're in or, or whatever um but with with when it comes to gender, it's kind of like you don't really have an excuse because every man literally is on the planet because of a woman and has been nurtured to adulthood because of the care of a of a woman and has probably and obviously in a heterosexual relationship has has the input of a, a woman and you know we they they champion and protect their little girls in language around you know like you know just hell's gonna break loose when they start dating and yet don't change behavior and perspective yourself you know and benefit from things like abortion and you know um all of the, the contraceptive pill but don't get involved in the conversations around that it's left to women to do and I just think there's absolutely no excuse because if you've benefited from all of those things you should you should be you know it shouldn't be on us to as, as women to defend them for both of us you know there's two of us in this situation it's just thinking about what you've said and about how it's ingrained and how it's it's learned behavior and thinking about how things have changed over time and it starts with that whole nature nurture in well parenting pre you know preschool but when you get to school in my sort of parents generation it was like the girls did 
cooking and needlework as it was known then and the boys did metalwork and things like that by the time I got to school that had changed and anyone could do anything but there was still the issue we have this conversation so regularly on this show about how wrong this is but and we had the same conversation today with another guest talking about sex education and how girls were taken out of the room and told about periods and the boys didn't have to listen to any of it and that segregation from a young age is ingrained isn't it it starts young and I don't know why they aren't embracing this more at school age to treat children I know like you've said there are fundamental differences between boys and between girls and there are things where boys will excel more and girls will excel more and that's just nature but do you think there should be more done at that fundamental development age where we are teaching our children that that's okay you're a female you can go on and be the prime minister the president you know a governor a business leader all of these things rather than pushing pushing the sort of gap at that age and I'm not saying girls aren't encouraged to do that now but sorry I'm waffling now no I (laughs) no absolutely I think you know it would be it would be an interesting you know I'm a big fan of like dystopian sci-fi and and that sort of genre and I think it would be just imagine a world a a thought you know a, a hypothesis that if we were to raise children in a system where they were not nothing was presumed whether it was your biological sex your gender your your um you know religious beliefs your background your race your skin color you know and everyone just got exactly the same education exactly the same support exactly the same language it would be you know maybe we wouldn't find ourselves in a world where there was any definition based on those things because you don't know what is nature and nurture do you there and 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 I think that is when you get to like, you know, you get to, to true equality then. Everyone's had an equal chance. The problem at the moment with trying to get to that is that we get sidetracked, don't we? People sidetrack us on, well, what do you mean? You know, everyone needs to be treated equally. You know, what what are you saying? Like, you know, and the, re- the problem at the moment is that it's so unbalanced that there needs to almost be a sway one way to get everything back on an even keel. I think that's the, but then people willfully confuse that. They willfully suggest, you know, that that they that we think that that's what we want always. Mm. You know, we want we want more, but we don't want more. We just want the same. It almost equates to if, because I heard this brilliant saying: it's you know, equality is bringing someone to the table, but real inclusion is actually being heard. And it's that heard thing that seems to be the thing that people find more costly. You know, as we said before, just putting a woman on a recruitment panel or something, you know, tick, well done. You've got a you know, a gendered mix on the on the recruitment panel. But actually, how pressured is that woman going to feel being the only female on an all male panel? And it then kind of brings to the point of you can go one step forward, but you're still two steps back because that individual just isn't being listened to. The contributions just aren't being added. So I think, yeah, I, I didn't have a question for the end of this, but I, I just kind of, it's, your point is so valid and it's just, it's still so frustrating that, you know, we seem to be coming only so far 
but then there's another obstacle then there's another wall then there's another hoop I think it can also be a little bit difficult to know what your role is that is you know if you put yourself in that shoes as the 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 woman that's been added to that panel you know I've had that a lot like you know I get booked for various speaking uh, panel talks keynote speaks uh, speaking engagements all sorts to talk about business to talk about e-commerce talk about whatever and you know sometimes people will say to me when booking me you know for example I had one a couple of weeks ago that would have actually been more suitable to Mike my co-founder because it was about a topic that he knows a lot more about than I and when I said can can he take it would be probably be better if he took this one they said well no we need a woman and so then you know you in that situation you think am I supposed to feel proud and really actually quite encouraged that I get the opportunity to go and be that face that people will see and possibly contributing to change or am I also feeling a little bit of I'm only here because you needed somebody with a vagina am I allowed to say that word yeah of course yeah yeah loud and proud (laughs) like you know like what it, it, it makes you feel like you're kind of the token I don't know and then the weight's on you again oh am I supposed to single-handedly change your you know the imbalance by the, by the way you speak for all women yeah exactly just yeah. even though in this scenario I'm not actually the most knowledgeable on it so it's 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 tricky it's frustrating it's yeah but I have these conversations with women. I have these conversations with, you know, on podcasts like this with, with you, or, you know, I jumped at the chance. I have these conversations with, with, with women in professional environment, in my friends, friendship group, et cetera. But I don't have these conversations with men. They, it's not something that happens. It's almost like we're existing in this kind of half shadow position where we all know as females, we all know that we're talking about this and we all know it's a problem. And, you know, and it's kind of like we live, a massive part of our lives in interaction whether it's at work at home with men but we don't talk about it there they, they don't contribute to it it's like it's this kind of this backpack that we're carrying around that they pretend they don't see or maybe they don't see and it's just if you think about it there's not much else you know there's not much else that's that that, that is that way you know that the part of yourself that you that half of the human race probably keeps to themselves only to share with other members of that half of the human race and the other half is either willfully ignoring it or you know just completely bemused I think what you're saying there is is such a valid point and it's kind of leads me on nicely to my next question um very recently um there was a a news um article out there that Vicky actually sent to me and I'd I'd seen it earlier that morning and I thought Vicky's going to send me this and then ping it pops up on my whatsapp and it was about Jacinda Ardern the um New Zealand um president is she president prime minister prime minister um and she obviously is in a position of fantastic power she has exhibited just the wonderful side of being a human being she just seems like a really awesome human and there was this article that popped up talking about her stepping down from her post and the title of the article was can women really have it all and it was just like what is this bullshit like why would someone put 
what she's done in this box to make the whole thing that she's achieved in her life sound really negative. Like, oh, can she really have it all? You know, yes. Why is it so difficult? Do I see Vicky? Look, she's clenched her hands. (laughs) She's chomping at the bit to talk. But do you think we should be doing more to these women that are in these positions? We should be protecting them really from that side of things shouldn't we because there's still this attitude that even when women have everything it seems like there's this attitude this questioning their ability to have it all I don't know what my question is I'm just really annoyed about it understandably <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah I don't I think that there's it's just um I, I do feel like the role of, you know, the press and, and social media and things like that has just not really helped matters. You know, it's, it sells, again, it comes back to money. It sells newspapers and it feeds algorithms to be saying controversial things about minorities, basically, um, minority, minority groups or disadvantaged groups, you know, to be controversial, to say the, to have the headlines, to, to, to do clickbait on Facebook or whatever. It sells, it gives, and the ironic thing is though, is that engaging in that, whether you're defending it, buying it, talking about it, commenting on it, whether you're for or pro or whatever, the money's all going back into the pockets of well, usually men, obviously, but not very nice people. You know, it's not it's not doing anything to make any of our lives better. You know, and it's it's just a bit, it's just a bit sad, really, isn't it? That that's that's what we we're all bickering amongst ourselves. Yeah. You know, controversial headlines that basically distract us yeah. from you know the task at hand. Every, all of us from the task at hand. Um, obviously, I fund you know wholeheartedly disagree with the statement or the question even. Like why are we why are we question would you would you question that of a of a of a man no absolutely exactly. not exactly exactly so and yeah. what does having it all mean what does that mean because are you saying that mums who choose to not have a career don't have it all are you suggesting that women who have a career don't have it all because they don't have a family what what are you talking about what does that very definition about having it all mean hmm. And I think there again, there's the assumption of what women must have in their life, what their lives must look. Oh, you can't have a career and a family. Oh, if you have a career, you're going to have to sacrifice having a family. And as you just said, Chrissy, you know, you would never ask a male that. You would no. never ask a father that. Um, I like your point as well. Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, you go. I liked your point as well with that it's completely overshadowing the real things that are happening in the background and this is a neat little segue so I don't know if you've read the um book Invisible Women and it's absolutely amazing you have Chris it's just mind-blowing and it's all about the data it's one about data right yes yeah it's it's shocking but fantastic shocking and I wanted to just share a stat that is not necessarily out there and should be, these are the kind of things that should be in the news and less about, can she have it all? So it's about how much less safe cars are for women. And in brief, if a woman is in a car crash, she's 17% more likely to die than a man in the same crash. Mm -hmm. And she's also 47% more likely to be seriously injured. And in 2019, after Invisible Women by Caroline Caroline Carrero Perez um, was published, 
another study came out which put the increased risk of serious injury and death for women at 73%. And that's because seatbelts are not designed on female anatomically correct um, crash test dummies or tests around the, the female construct. So things like, and it's not even about weight, it's about things like um, pelvis. So the pelvis size is completely different shape and size. So seat belts are actually completely unsafe for, for women. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's safer than not wearing one at all, but those stats just said it's gonna cause a lot more damage to a woman than it is to a man. Now, this book is full of stuff like that, about how women are negated from research data into cancers, into uh, cardiovascular disease, those kind of things. And yet that's not reported on. And that's shocking to me. Yeah, well, and I would also question again, you know, uh, this sounds really negative, but it's like, I'd love to know how many men have read that book. Do you know, and I'd love to know. There's another one. There's a, a really good one I just read last week called um, "Ejaculate Responsibly," um, which is a fantastic book. Um, it's all about switching, switching the view of. Um, well, it was talking about um, the, the all around uh, the recent abortion laws and things like that about switching the view, and it was basically saying like a, a woman's ability to get pregnant um, accidentally or, or deliberately is, you know, impinged on like they have they have one egg once a month whereas a man's ability to get to to get someone pregnant to, to you know to create a pregnancy is every single time they have sex you know why is the whole topic of conversation around mm. uh you know probability wise like where where should the level of responsibility be there like if we were going to look at it fairly anyway it's a really good book but again I looked through all the reviews uh, it was recommended on a, a female podcast so I you know and all of the reviews of women all of them and it's like we you know this really insightful interesting scientifically backed you know and and, and that frustrates me when people say oh well you know women need to speak more and need to be more manly you need to speak more in their language you need to you know not put makeup on you need to not be attracted you need to wear a suit you need to you know adjust the tone of your voice so that it's you know all this stuff we're supposed to do to talk in their language and yet there's a lot of data and a lot, even if we were to, I mean, I don't agree with this, but if being male is reading data, being commercial, being financial, being the boss, well, we li- it's literally out there. So you've got, you, there's just no excuse, is, is there? Is there now? Like that book, yeah, it's, it's, it's I, I read it, but I was enraged when I was reading it. And that's the thing, as, as women, are we just flogging ourselves? Do you see what I mean? It's because we we can't, we don't know the data, but we know that there's injustice and we're just kind of, oh, it just makes us so angry. I think talking to you as a, as a kind of uh, female leader, one of the things that gets my goat as well, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it, is women leadership courses and women leadership programmes to suggest that women need to adopt different leadership styles within organizations or within institutions or companies what's your take on women-only leadership programs yeah I mean this is another one where I'm I'm being a little bit um not very helpful because I have an opinion but I don't have a solution so it, it seems you know don't want to just moan about things I don't have a solution for but no I don't I I very rarely partake in in anything of, of that uh, you know whether it's um awards 
specifically for women, whether it's led, um, you know, literature or magazines or or even networking usually that's just for women. I try to avoid. Um, there are some great ones out there, but I, as a general rule, I avoid it because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't do anything to widen. Well, first of all, I'm not actually getting anything out of it. You know, like my my goal here in life and in business isn't to just appease the men around me you know like that's that's not that's not the dream and and I think with with things like the you know leadership training and and, and things like that and and, and awards and stuff again it's it's going back to what we said um before about being judged on whether you can have it all it's women are still being judged on their ability to deliver on what society a male society basically wants from us so in that regard it's She's being judged on her ability to deliver her full-time job as the prime minister or president, I can't remember what he said, um, you know, of a country, of a nation. But she's actually being judged on whether she can do that and be a mom. Mm. You know? So, and and in, in these things, in the leadership things, it's, it's you're, being, you're not being judged on your ability to be a good leader. You're being judged on your ability to be a good leader so that you can work with other men and get things from, you know, that sort of thing. In awards, you're not being judged on whether you're a good a business owner or or whatever in your field you're being judged on whether you're the best female version of that whatever that means you know and a lot of the categories are often you know mum mumpreneur or whatever which I'm you know I'm not being down on anyone that fits in that category and but like I don't have children that's not so I don't want to be measured my my success in business isn't measured on whether I do or do not have a child as well I think um, I want to, I, I could I could talk about this all day. I genuinely could. And also you mentioned about dystopian books that you like. There's, um, have you read the series of books called Eve of Man by Tom and Giovanna Fletcher? No, but I'm going to now. It's a, it's about, um, it's about a woman called Eve and she is the last woman alive. And it's about the male race trying to protect her so that she can reproduce. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a good, it's quite a good uh, series of books. Um, my question is, we give, we give all of our guests a final sip. And because it's International Women's Day, I want to hand the platform over to you for your final sip and your thoughts on what International Women's Day means for you what you want people to take from this, be more aware of, and what you think is important. Oh, that's a big one. <laughs> I see, but um, I think it's great to have a day that celebrates women. Um, I think it's great to see all the amazing activity and goodness that's being done and the conversations that are being had and shared but I feel like you know we shouldn't just have one day for International Women's Day you know we shouldn't need a day that is trying to champ the dream would be that we don't need that that day to, to even exist and I think that there's been a lot of change over the years you know since I was a teenager even you know but it's not going as quick in the right direction as, as it could be and I think as everything in society advances you know our the way we communicate as as humans the technology around us 
the way brands like us can use new technology and you know we get better and better and we learn so much about the world and and, and everything um we should be focusing on basically it's a pretty basic you know need and well, I was going to say desire, but it's not a desire. It's a need, which is people should be treated equ- equally and have equal opportunity. And and that, and that goes for, for for gender and and all the other, um, you know, things that we've discussed today. I just don't think it's an excuse anymore. So I would love for for gender equality in particular to get the the spotlight and the backing that it needs to to not need this day anymore. Absolutely. It's like Valentine's Day and all the other, isn't it? It's like, why is it just one day? (laughs) One day to tell someone you love them. No, let's do it every day. (laughs) Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time today. It has been enlightening, um, impassioned, educational. Um, I, I, I could genuinely do this all day. And drink more tea. Part two. We'll do a part two. Part two (laughs) with more tea. (laughs) So thank you so much for your time. It's been massively appreciated. And if you have listened to this and like what you've heard, please let us know in the comments. Um, But also check out our back catalogue because we have heaps and heaps of interesting content that we've been doing over the last year and a half now. And we'd love you um, to get in touch as well with your ideas and topics for any future episodes. And if you like what you hear, you can always buy us a tea or a coffee on our support us page or some bird and blend tea bags. You know, anything, anything you like, just chucking it in there. Um, But please, please do get in touch if you have some ideas or thoughts on the show for us. But for now, it's goodbye from me. And it's good night for her. Every Ronnie that never fails. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you again on the next episode very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.